Chapter Twenty, Part One of Hypatia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hypatia by Charles Kingsley, Chapter Twenty. She stoops to conquer. Part One. But fairest Hypatia, conceive yourself struck in the face by a great stone, several hundred howling wretches leaping up at you like wild beasts two minutes more and you are torn limb from limb what would even you do in such a case let them tear me limb from limb and die as i have lived ah but when it came to fact and death was staring you in the face and why should man fear death ahem no not death of course but the act of dying that may be surely under such circumstances to say the least disagreeable if our ideal julian the great found a little dissimulation necessary and was even a better christian than i have ever presented to be till he found himself able to throw off the mask why should not i consider me as a lower being than yourself one of the herd if you will but a penitent member thereof who comes to make the fullest possible reparation by doing any desperate deed on which you may choose to put him and prove myself as able and willing if once i have the power as julian himself such was the conversation which passed between hypatia and orestes half an hour after philammon had taken possession of his new abode hypatia looked at the prefect with calm penetration not unmixed with scorn and fear and pray what has produced this sudden change in your excellency's earnestness for four months your promises have been lying fallow he did not confess how glad he would have been at heart to see them lying fallow still because this morning i have news which i tell to you the first as a compliment we will take care that all alexandria knows it before sundown heraclion has conquered conquered cried hypatia springing from her seat conquered and utterly destroyed the emperor's forces at ostia so says a messenger on whom i can depend and even if the news should prove false i can prevent the contrary report from spreading or what is the use of being prefect your demure do you not see that if we can keep the notion alive but a week our own cause is won how so i have treated already with all the officers of the city and every one of them has acted like a wise man and giving me a promise of help conditional of course on heraclion's success being as tired as i am of that priest-ridden court at byzantium moreover the stationaries are mine already so are the soldiery all the way up the nile ah you have been fancying me idle for these four months but you forget that you yourself were the prize of my toil could i be a sluggard with that goal in sight hypatia shuddered but was silent and orestes went on i have unladen several of the wheat ships for enormous largesses of bread though those rascally monks of tabin had nearly forestalled my benevolence and i was forced to bribe a deacon or two buy up the stock they had sent down and retail it again as my own it is really most officious of them to persist in feeding graciously half the poor of the city what possible business have they with alexandria the wish for popularity i presume just so and then what hold can the government have on a set of rogues whose stomachs are filled without our help julian made the same compliment to the high priest of galantia 
in that priceless letter of his. Ah, you will set that all right, you know, shortly. Then again, I do not fear Cyril's power just now. He has injured himself deeply. I am happy to say, in the opinion of the wealthy and educated, by expelling the Jews, and as for his mob, exactly at the right moment, the deities. There are no monks here, so I can attribute my blessings to the right source, have sent us such a boon as may put them into as good a humor as we need. And what is that? asked Hypatia. A white elephant. A white elephant? Yes, he answered, mistaking or ignoring the tone of her answer. A real, live, white elephant. A thing which has not been seen in Alexandria for a hundred years. It was passing through with two tame tigers as a present to the boy at Byzantium. From some hundred-wived kinglet of the Hyperborean Taprobane, or other no-man's land in the far east. I took the liberty of laying an embargo on them, and after a little argumentation and a few hints of torture, elephant and tigers are at our service. And what of service are they to be? My dearest madame, conceive. How are we to win the mob without a show? When were there more than two ways of gaining either the whole or part of the Roman Empire, by force of arms or force of trumpery? Can even you invent a third? The former is unpleasantly exciting, and hardly practicable just now. The latter remains, and thanks to the white elephant, may be triumphantly successful. I have to exhibit something every week. The people are getting tired of that pantomime. And since the Jews were driven out, the fellow has grown stupid and lazy, having lost the more enthusiastic half of his spectators. As for horse-racing, they are sick of it. Now, suppose we announce, for the earliest possible day, a spectacle, such a spectacle as never was seen before in this generation. You and I, I as exhibitor, you as representative, for the time being only, of the Vestals of old, sit side by side. Some worthy friend has his instructions, when the people are beside themselves with rapture, to cry, Long live Orestes Caesar. Another reminds them of Heraclean's victory. Another couples her name with mine. The people's applaud. Some Mark Antony steps forward, salutes me as Imperator Augustus. What you will, the cry is taken up. I refuse as meekly as Julius Caesar himself, am compelled blushing to accept the honor i rise make an oration about the future independence of the southern continent union of africa and egypt the empire no longer to be divided into eastern and western but northern and southern shouts of applause at two drachmas per man shake the skies everybody believes that everybody else approves and follows the lead and the thing is won and pray as hypatia crushing down her contempt and despair how was this to bear on the worship of the gods why why if you thought that people's minds were sufficiently prepared you might rise in your turn and make an oration you can conceive one set forth how these spectacles formerly the glory of the empire had withered under gallian superstition how the only path toward the full enjoyment of eye and ear was a frank return to those deities from whose worship they originally sprang and connected with which they could alone be enjoyed in their perfection but i need not teach you how to do that which you have so often taught me so now to consider a spectacle which next to the largest is the most important part of our plans 
I ought to have exhibited to them the monk who so nearly killed me yesterday. That would indeed have been a triumph of the laws over Christianity. He and the wild beast might have given the people ten minutes amusement, but wrath conquered prudence, and the fellow has been crucified these two hours. Suppose then we had a little exhibition of gladiators. They are forbidden by law, certainly. Thank heaven they are. But do you not see that is the very reason why we, to assert our own independence, should employ them? No, they are gone. Let them never reappear to disgrace the earth. My dear lady, you must not in your present character say that in public, lest Cyril should be impertinent enough to remind you that Christian emperors and bishops put them down. Hypatia bit her lip and was silent. Well, I do not wish to urge anything unpleasant to you, if we could but contrive a few martyrdoms, but I really fear we must wait a year or two longer, in the present state of public opinion, before we can attempt that. Wait, wait forever. Did not Julian, and he must be our model, forbid the persecution of the Galileans, considering them sufficiently punished by their own atheism and self-tormenting superstition? Another small error of that great man. He should have recollected that for three hundred years nothing, not even the gladiators themselves, had been found to put the mob in such good humor as to see a few Christians, especially young and handsome women, burned alive or thrown to the lions. Hypatia bit her lip once more. I can hear no more of this, sir. You forget that you are speaking to a woman. Most supreme wisdom, answered Orestes in his blandest tone. You cannot suppose that I wish to pain your ears, but allow me to observe, as a general theorem, that if one wishes to effect any purpose, it is necessary to use the means, and on the whole, those which have been tested by four hundred years' experience will be the safest. I speak as a plain, practical statesman, but surely your philosophy will not dissent? Hypatia looked down in painful thought. What could she answer? Was it not too true? Had not Orestes fact and experience on his side? Well, if you must, but I cannot have gladiators. Why not a one of those battles with wild beasts? They are disgusting enough, but still they are less inhuman than the others, and you might surely take precautions to prevent the men being hurt. Ah, that would indeed be a scentless rose. If there is neither danger nor bloodshed, the charm is gone. But really, wild beasts are too expensive just now, and if I kill down my present menagery, I can afford no more. Why not have something which costs no money, like prisoners? What, do you rank human beings below brutes? Heaven forbid, but they are practically less expensive. Remember, that without money we are powerless. We must husband our resources for the cause of the gods. Hypatia was silent. Now... There are fifty or sixty Libyan prisoners just brought in from the desert. Why not let them fight an equal number of soldiers? They are rebels to the empire, taken in war. Ah, then, said Hypatia, catching at any thread of self-justification, their lives are forfeit in any case. Of course, so the Christians could not complain of us for that. Did not the most Christian empire, Constantine, set some three hundred German prisoners to butcher each other in the amphitheater of Trevis? But they were refused, and died like heroes, each falling on his own sword. Ah, those Germans are always unmanageable. My guards, now, are just as stiff-necked, 
To tell you the truth, I have asked them already to exhibit their prowess on these Libyans, and what do you suppose they answered? They refused, I hope. They told me in the most insolent tone that they were men, and not stage-players, and hired to fight, and not to butcher. I expected a Socratic dialogue after such a display of dialectic, and bowed myself out. They were right, not a doubt of it, from a philosophic point of view, from a practical one, they were great pendants, and I, an ill-used master. However, I can find unfortunate and misunderstood heroes enough in the prisons, who, for the chance of their liberty, will acquit themselves valiantly enough, and I know of a few old gladiators still lingering about the wine-shops, who will be proud enough to give them a week's training. So that may pass. Now for some lighter species of representation to follow, something more or less dramatic. You forget that you speak to one who trusts to be, as soon as she has the power, the high priestess of Athene, and who, in the meanwhile, is bound to obey her tutor Julian's commands to the priest of his day, and intimate the Galileans as much in their abhorrence for the theatre as she hopes hereafter to do in their care for the widow and the stranger. Far be it from me to impugn that great man's wisdom, but allow me to remark that to judge by the present state of the empire, one has a right to say that he failed. The sun-god, whom he loved, took him to himself too early by a hero's death, and the moment he was removed, the wave of Christian barbarism rolled back again into its old channel. Ah, had he but lived twenty years longer, the sun-god, perhaps, was not so solicitous as we are for the success of his high priest's project. Hypatia reddened. Was Orestes, after all, laughing in his sleeve at her and her hopes? Do not blaspheme, she said solemnly. Heaven forbid. I only offer one possible explanation of a plain fact. The other is that as Julian was not going quite the right way to work to restore the worship of the Olympians, the sun-god found it expedient to withdraw him from his post, and now sends in his place Hypatia, the philosopher, who will be wise enough to avoid Julian's error, and not copy the Galileans too closely by imitating a severity of morals at which they are the only true and natural adepts. So Julian's error was that of being too virtuous? If it be so, let me copy him, and fail like him. The fault will then not be mine, but fate's not in being too virtuous himself most stainless likeness of athene but in trying to make others so he forgot one half of juvial's great dictum about pantium and surencius as the absolute and overruling necessity of rulers he tried to give the people the bread without the games and what thanks he received for his enormous munificence let himself and the good folks of antioch tell you just quoted his misopogon I, the lament of a man too pure for his age. Exactly so. He should rather have been content to keep his purity to himself, and have gone to Antioch, not merely as a philosophic high priest with a beard of questionable cleanliness, to offer sacrifices to a god in whom, forgive me, nobody in Antioch had believed for many a year. If he had made his entrance with ten thousand gladiators, in our white elephant, built a theatre of ivory and glass and Daphne, and proclaimed games in honor of the sun, or of any other member in the pantheon, he would have acted unworthily of a philosopher. But instead of that one priest draggling up, poor devil, through the wet grass, 
to the deserted altar with a solitary goose under his arm he would have had every goose in antioch forgive my sealing upon from aristophanes running open-mouthed to worship any god known or unknown and to see the sights well said hypatia yielding preforce to orestes cutting arguments let us then restore the ancient glories of the greek drama let us give them a trilogy of aeschylus or sophocles too calm my dear madam the emmonides might do certainly or philoctetes if we could but put philoctetes to real pain and make the spectator sure that he was yelling in good earnest disgusting but necessary like many disgusting things why not try prometheus a magnificent field for stage effect certainly what with those ocean nymphs in their winged chariot and ocean on his griffin but i should hardly think it safe to reintroduce zeus and hermes to the people under the somewhat ugly light in which Ascleus exhibits them i forgot that said hypatia the orestian trilogy will be best after all best perfect divine ah that it were to be my fate to go down to posterity as the happy man who once more revived Ascleus's masterpieces on a grecian stage but is there not begging the pardon of the great tragedian too much reserve in the agamemnon for our modern taste if we could have the bath scene represented on the stage and on agamemnon who could he really killed though i would not insist on that because a good actor might make it a reason for refusing the part but still the murder ought to make a place in public shocking an outrage on all the laws of the drama does not even the roman horace lay down as a rule the nit puros corum populu media trutide fairest and wisest i am as willing a pupil of the dear old epurian as any man living even to the furnishing of my chamber of which fact the empress of africa may some day assure herself but we are not now discussing the art of poetry but the art of reigning and after all while horace was sitting in his easy chair giving his countrymen good advice a private man who knew somewhat better than he what the mass admired was exhibiting forty thousand gladiators at his mother's funeral but the canon has its foundation in the eternal laws of beauty it has been accepted and observed not by the people for whom it was written the learned hypatia was surely not forgotten that within sixty years after the ars poetia was written aeneas seneca or whosoever wrote that very bad tragedy called the medea found it so necessary that she should in despite of horace kill her children before the people that he actually made her do it end of chapter twenty part one